Welcome to the Beyond Macros podcast, a show where we teach you about nutrition and the art of working in so you can get the most out of working out. In today's episode, I interviewed Dr. Kirk Parsley about the importance of sleep, stress, and how they play a massive role in your ability to perform, lose fat, and gain muscle. Dr. Parsley is a traditionally trained Western medical doctor who has discovered that his medical training did not provide him with the necessary information and expertise to help improve and maintain his patient's health. After discovering that he had been trained to recognize and treat disease, he set out on a mission to learn everything possible about actually optimizing health. He now works with clients and organizations on four pillars of health, sleep, nutrition, exercise, and stress control. To begin this sleep story, Doc Parsley explains how most of the goals and adaptations we are chasing with nutrition are actually happening while we are sleeping. If we're getting the right benefit out of exercise or out of nutrition, it's happening during an anabolic process. The most anabolic part of your day, and in fact, about 80% of all anabolic behavior happens while you're sleeping. This is an important way to lead this story off, because what I have seen is that nutrition and exercise are sexy. They occupy the six-pack imagery, the bikini body imagery, the shredded muscle imagery in our mind. So we pursue these two avenues, and sleep is an afterthought. If you can instead see the connection between sleep and the body, athletic performance, and the cognitive performance you desire, then you have taken the most important step in the process. If I could sit down with you for an hour or two hours and convince you that sleep is the most important variable in your life, that for your health, well-being, performance, emotional stability, joy, mood, sex drive, productivity, everything. If I could sit down and convince you that sleep is the number one thing, that uh, out of all the variables, out of all the tools you have at your disposal to improve any aspect of your life, if I could convince you that sleep is it, we're probably done, right? 95% of the time we're done. You you will do your own research. You can do, you know, you can figure out how to sleep. In order to understand why sleep is so important, let's let Doc Parsley walk us through what happens with just two hours of sleep deprivation. When you have inadequate sleep, that's inadequate anabolic activity. Part of the anabolic activity is fuel storage for the next day, right? To make you able for the next day. If you sleep deprive yourself and you don't have enough anabolic activity, you don't have enough fuel storage, your body still has to get the fuel from somewhere. The way your body does that is it increases stress hormones. Stress hormones then cause your muscles to release glycogen and your liver to release glycogen and increases your fuel fuel sources. Also stimulates the uh, breakdown of protein, which is primarily your muscles, into amino acids to give your body the amino acids to be fuel sources that they need, or anabolic uh, substrates to to do you know to build or to maintain activity. So lack of sleep can lead to the breakdown of muscle for fuel. Even worse, one night of poor sleep can lead to a nasty feedback loop that further hurts your sleep. So if you sleep deprive yourself and you have more stress hormones, you're more catabolic. Now, when you try to go to sleep the next day, 
if your stress hormones are excessive, you have a harder time sleeping. When you have a harder time sleeping, then you're not going to sleep as much or as well that night, which means you're going to be catabolic again the next day. This becomes a self-propagating downward spiral that you know is probably the source of about 70% of the suffering of American workers right now is that they don't value sleep. They think sleep is sort of a luxury. It's making them more stressed out, more anxious, more catabolic, more stress hormones. They're living at a higher level of stress hormones. Sleep deprivation doesn't just lead to higher stress, worse sleep, and potential muscle breakdown. It can also hamper your body's ability to utilize fat it already has stored. What most people probably don't realize, or in my experience, most people don't realize, is that fat is actually an endocrine organ, right? It, it secretes hormones. It's stimulated by hormones. And the hormone that it secretes is, is leptin. And, and there's some other things that you could arguably call uh, hormones being secreted by fat. But leptin is basically telling your brain how much fat you have. Your brain has to be sensitive to that, right? It's like, you know, if, if I'm fat and I'm and you're the brain and I'm scream I'm yelling at you to say, Hey, I've got thirty pounds of fat, but you can't hear me and I have to keep screaming louder and louder and louder and eventually you just can't hear me at all or you're misunderstanding me, there's a miscommunication. Kind of, kind of the same thing. So if your brain doesn't have a lot of sensitivity to that signal, you know, if you're hard of hearing, I can yell as loud as I want, as loud as I want to. If you're, if you're deaf, you can't hear me. So the brain doesn't go totally deaf, but it becomes progressively more and more and more hard of hearing when you're sleep deprived. So if you sleep deprive yourself two hours on one single night, right? So you're sleeping eight hours a night every single night of your whole life. One night you sleep six hours instead of eight hours. You've decreased your brain's sensitivity to leptin by 30%. Your brain's controlling hundreds, if not thousands of variables that are determining what's going to happen with every calorie that you put in your body um, and with every calorie that you mobilize as a fuel source in your body or every molecule that you mobilize as a fuel source for your body. Um, that's going on obviously all the time, but the sensitivity to the leptin is being, that set point is happening while you're asleep. Sleep deprivation also decreases insulin sensitivity of the muscle and fat cells. Then you have insulin sensitivity. If you, again, do the exact same thing, you sleep eight hours a night for every single night of your life, you sleep six hours one night, the next day, your overall insulin sensitivity is going to be decreased by about 15 to 20%. The insulin sensitivity and your fat cells, though, will be decreased by 30%. Now you have you know more and more problems uh, with fat just from sleep deprivation, but you also you decrease the ability to have that anabolic activity to increase the muscle size. The other major issue that sleep deprivation and excess body fat pose are their effects on anabolic hormones. Before we dive in on its effects on anabolic hormones, Doc Parsley pointed out that testosterone is also the primary anabolic hormone for women as well as men. So, ladies, listen up. Everyone knows that the dominant sex hormone for males is testosterone. What most people don't realize is that the dominant sex hormone for females is testosterone. Everybody thinks it's estrogen, and that's just simply not true. The way we measure the unit, uh, the way we measure 
the quantity of anything. We do, you know, we divide it down into units. You know, there's there's lots of different ways. There's lots of different units that we can divide it down into. So the way we quantify estrogen and testosterone makes it look like women have more test. Makes it look like they have more estrogen because it's a higher number, but it's in much much smaller units. And so women actually have ten times more testosterone than they do estrogen. Testosterone is still their anabolic hormone, right? Estrogen and progesterone, or it's really all about uterine and you know, uterine tissue and breast tissue. It's, it's very little to do with muscle tissue, so or any other lean tissue. The difference between men and women is that although women have ten times more estrogen or ten times more testosterone than estrogen, and testosterone is still their anabolic hormone, and so it's growth hormone, of course. Men have ten times more testosterone than women. And we have about a tenth of the amount of estrogen. So it's just a bigger disparity in those numbers for us, but it's still their primary sex hormone as well. Now that we know how important testosterone is for both sexes, let's let Doc Parsley give us a rundown of the effect of sleep on testosterone and anabolic hormone levels. The other thing that's happening while you're sleeping is 90 to 95% of all the testosterone you're going to um, secrete in that 24 hour period is going to happen during stages three and four of deep sleep. 90 to 95% of all growth hormone, which is, you know, then has the downstream effect going through the liver to be IGF 1, which is also very anabolic. With sleep deprivation, we don't secrete enough testosterone and other anabolic hormones, which causes some really negative feedback loops in the body. As we also established, excess fat storage is one of the possible results of sleep deprivation. Fat storage can actually make the problem with testosterone worse. Subcutaneous body fat can convert our testosterone to estrogen. So the more subcutaneous fat we have, the more of our testosterone becomes estrogen. The joke gets funnier in that that switchboard in the brain that's measuring what's in our blood and then, t- and then to determining what our endocrine system should do to balance that out primarily gauging that off of how much estrogen is in our blood. So our brain is seeing a bunch of estrogen and going, oh, we have a ton of estrogen, which must mean that we have a ton of testosterone because we get our estrogen from testosterone. And when we have a ton of estrogen and our brain believes we now have a ton of testosterone, it tells our testicles, you don't need to make so much more, so much testosterone. And so the luteinizing hormone that causes that, that goes from the brain to the testicles, that decreases. Now you produce less testosterone. That's actually less anabolic, more, and then you tend to store more body fat. Now you have more fat, more of your testosterone gets converted. That keeps the self-propagating downward spiral. Although Doc Parsley explained this in terms of a man, the same effect is seen in both men and women. What happens in both men and women is that estrogen increases something called a sex hormone binding globulin or a sex hormone binding protein, whatever you want to call it. And it's just what it sounds like. It's a protein that binds sex hormones. And when it binds sex hormones, it makes the sex hormones unable to get into the cells. So that hormone just floats around in the bloodstream until it gets down to the liver. The liver recognizes that binding protein, grabs hold of that, chops all of that up, um, breaks down the hormone into different molecules, breaks down that protein into different molecules and makes something completely different out of it. So this happens in both men and women. So the higher the estrogen levels, the higher the sex hormone binding globulin, the more sex hormone binding globulin 
the less of your hormones that can actually get into your cells. So if you have a total testosterone of 900 and you have uh, 3% free, then you have a free testosterone of 27, which is the high end of the normal range, which would make you very anabolic. It, however, if you have a sex hormone binding globulin that's three to five times higher than it should be, your free testosterone might only be nine or six or something like that. And that's what your cells are actually seeing. So the total kind of doesn't matter. This, and the same thing is true for estrogen. So that affects women's, you know, estrogen actually affects men as well because it affects their brains and uh, all the hormone, all the sex hormones are neuro, neuroactive. Um, but the estrogen is affecting the pre, you know the breast tissue and uterine tissue of females and their brain tissue, and if their sex hormone binding globulin gets too high, the same thing they they start looking and feeling like they're going through menopause because the sex hormone binding globulin is going up so much. Doc Parsley also pointed out that this is the reason why environmental estrogens from pesticides and hormone-treated meat and other products with xenoestrogens are so dangerous. They can cause SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin, to go up. Now that you know all of the terrible feedback loops that can be caused by even two hours of sleep deprivation, it's time to give you a guide for how to improve the quality of your sleep. But before we start giving you a list, it's important to realize that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to improving sleep. It's just like training and nutrition. No nutrition plan is going to work for everybody, and if you were to follow the same training plan indefinitely, and it just wouldn't work. So, with that said, there are some very good recommendations based on our biology. When you look at how our ancestors slept, the sun went down, it got cooler, right? Their body temperature got slightly lower, about a degree lower. That's one of the cues for needing to go to sleep. They didn't have light going in their eyes. Their brain started secreting melatonin that decreased their stress hormones. As I told you earlier, stress hormones are what keep us awake in proportion to our environment. So less stress hormones mean we need to be less awake. Our environment requires less interaction from us. GABA allows our brain to re react and sense our environment less. So all of that then eventually leads to this cascade of this phenomenon that we call sleep. So it, instead of saying, all right, here's sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene is you wear these glasses at this time of the day, you stop work at this time of the day, you you know, completely black out your bedroom, you get the electronics out of your bedroom, you don't use your phone or your computer in your bed, you don't read in your bed. Instead of saying all of that stuff, I mean, there's a million different little things you can do. You know, take a cool shower to lower your body temperature. If you just think about how we evolved and you understand those concepts that the, the light is coming in your eyes is keeping you awake, blue light coming into your eyes is, is shifting when your body and your brain believe they should be asleep and the amount of GABA in your brain and you're and you allowing GABA to do its job are affecting your ability to sleep. For a more exhaustive post on sleep hygiene, Doc Parsley wrote one on his website that we will link to in the show notes. I also recommend using a sleep tracker and keeping sleep notes to determine whether changes in your sleep hygiene improve or hurt sleep. Doc Parsley gave some recommendations for how to do this using either wearables or just a plain old pen and paper. My favorite sleep tracking sort of wearable device is the Aura Ring. That device I like a lot uh, because it, it measures arterial instead of venous. 
Um, and because arterial is easier to measure, it requires way less power, so it does it much more frequently. You get much better data. They've combined heart rate variability into that and respiratory rate into that, um, which can all be measured through the arteri- uh, through the arteries. But what you can do if you have heart rate variability and you have respiratory rate and you have pulse rate, and you have the actigraphy, like other wearable devices, which is just measuring movements essentially. If you have all three of those things, you're about you know you're about ninety eight percent of the way to a sleep study. I mean, it's um, to like a, a medical sleep study. He does make a point that wearables are great if you like data, but he also mentions that the process can be just as effective using a plain old journal. If you hate wearables and you hate technology and you aren't interested in any of that stuff. A journal works just as well, right? If you write down what time you went to sleep or what time you went to bed, approximately how long you think it took you to fall asleep, how long did you actually sleep, what time did you wake up, um, how do you feel kind of thing. Like that's that's really enough, right? All you have to do is measure it, right? If As long as, you know, we all know that you'll never improve anything that you aren't measuring. In addition to understanding sleep hygiene, Nutrition also plays an important role in sleep. You've already heard the neurotransmitter GABA mentioned, which is something you can take as a supplement. Melatonin is also a common supplement for improving sleep. Our body synthesizes melatonin by converting tryptophan to 5-HTP, 5-HTP to serotonin, and then eventually to melatonin. At the top of this conversion funnel, we need enough tryptophan, which is an amino acid you can find in meat. Tryptophan, obviously, is in my product. Tryptophan becomes 5-hydroxytryptophan. 5-hydroxytryptophan becomes serotonin. Serotonin then becomes melatonin. That's the production pathway. But in order for 5-HTP to become serotonin, it requires two cofactors, magnesium and vitamin D3. Both magnesium and vitamin D3 can be supplemented. However, there are some great food-based sources of each. Magnesium-rich foods include green leafy vegetables, nuts, seeds, and dark chocolate or cacao. Sun exposure is the best way to increase vitamin D3 concentrations, but fish, especially salmon and sardines, are incredible sources of food-based vitamin D3. It is definitely worth noting that Doc Parsley has created a great sleep supplement based on his research and experience called Doc Parsley's Sleep Remedy. It contains the correct balance of GABA, tryptophan, 5-HTP, melatonin, vitamin D, and magnesium to support your sleep. With that said, you can't supplement away poor sleep hygiene. So definitely check out his product, but don't stop there. His website, docparsley.com, has a wealth of information about how to improve your sleep. I hope if you get anything out of this episode... It's a reframing of your mindset to understand the importance of sleep in achieving the body, athletic performance, and cognitive performance that you desire. Making this connection is the most important step towards improving your sleep, because now that you're curious, you can pick one sleep habit that you'll commit to changing and start experimenting. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
If you did, we'd be very grateful if you'd leave a review on iTunes. Like listener CCVG, who says, The information Matt Walroth provides is a great resource for me as a health coach to continue to learn and share with my clients. The content Matt presents is based on research, studies, and his personal experiences, which all gives me enormous confidence in the accuracy of the information. Thanks so much for the review, CCVG. Next week, we are back with CrossFit athlete Corey Lunny. Corey is, first and foremost, a multiple times individual and team CrossFit regionals competitor in the East who was at one point New Jersey's fittest man. Uh, He was also, unfortunately, one of the athletes who tore his pec in the now notorious Event 2 at the 2017 CrossFit Regionals. In this upcoming episode, we discuss Corey's resilient mindset around the injury, and I ask him questions to give you a window into what the life of a competitive CrossFit athlete actually looks like. This is a fun episode, so make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and I look forward to seeing you next week.